Hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in. We're here with Tula founder Eric Peterson for another podcast episode all about the work we do here at the Hackeye Institute on the coast of British Columbia. Stay tuned for more episodes coming straight to your inbox or download the podcast and listen on your way to work. Once again, here is Eric's podcast. Anyone working for the Tula Foundation should know about the amazing work being done in Guatemala by Tula Salute. But I'm not the one to chronicle that work. These days, I'm reduced to rooting from the sidelines. The real work is done by Isabel Lobos and our Guatemalan partners, coached from Canada by Christy Gombay and Ray Brunsting. In fact, my involvement has always been a bit sporadic. When I'm needed, I jump in for a burst of intense activity, then I step back and let things roll ahead. So for me, the history of Tula Salud is like a series of snapshots. Let me go through a few of those snapshots here. Snapshot 1 is dated autumn 2003. The Tula Foundation has just started the previous year. Even the Gates Foundation is in its infancy. Concern about global health is in the air everywhere. The HIV-AIDS crisis, Africa, drugs and vaccine dominate the news. Since I'm the former founder and CEO of a healthcare technology company, it makes sense for me to be involved in global health in some way. But I've decided to find a quieter path, away from the chaos in Africa, where we can work constructively. I know Guatemala from my travels there in the 1960s. I know that it is just stabilizing after decades of conflict. And rather than specific diseases, drugs, or vaccine, I'm interested in health systems, in the role of nursing in particular. So I have a mission for the Tula Foundation. Rebuild the rural health system in Guatemala in the aftermath of the Civil War. But I have zero experience in international development, so ideally I'd like to find an experienced organization to work with. I could be the flexible partner, handle the contingencies that always pop up during any complex program. I'd attended an international health conference in Ottawa in October that year, scouting out potential partners. I'd heard a speaker from our government agency, CETA, the Canadian International Development Agency. So the next week, I place a cold call to CETA and miraculously get Judith Sullivan on the line. Judith listens to my spiel and gives me the phone number of Viola Duff at the Center for Nursing Studies in Newfoundland. It turns out that Viola is just kicking off a CETA-sponsored program, working with nursing schools in Central America. I call Viola that afternoon, talk things over, and a week later, Viola and I are riding in the CETA truck en route to Coban in the Department of Alta Verapaz in the Central Highlands of Guatemala. Frontline nurses are in desperately short supply in rural Guatemala. It's difficult to train and retain nurses to work effectively in remote communities, where resources are so limited, where many people speak only an indigenous Mayan language. I'm happy with what I see on the visit. Before joining the school in Newfoundland as a nursing educator, Viola worked for many years with nursing schools in Nicaragua, where her husband was a missionary. Viola is the real deal. The team at the Newfoundland Nursing School has a wealth of experience in distance education, in all the challenges of bringing nursing services to rural Newfoundland, Labrador, and the Canadian North. We plan to use those same tools to bring nursing education to remote communities in Guatemala. In Coban, we meet with ENEC, the national nursing school that is responsible for the northern region of the country. I am much impressed with the energy and capability I see in the leadership at ENEC, also by their outreach to remote communities, several of which we visit. 
And through CETA, we'll have the support of the Canadian Embassy and solid links to the Guatemalan Ministry of Health. During our time in Coban, we visit Toledo Kumi, a Catholic charity in nearby San Pedro Carcha. Their executive director, Isabel Lobos, was formerly the director of the nursing school. I learned later that Isabel has been recruited to run our program. Back in Toronto, I have lunch with Christy Gombay, a longtime CETA contractor who is Viola's counterpart on the project. So everything looks good to me. I have the partners I need, so I join the CETA project and we get to work. Snapshot 2 is dated November 2008. I'm back in Coban on one of the many visits I've made to review progress with Viola, Christy, and Isabel. I'm generally pleased with the progress I've seen over the last five years. We've had two 18-month cycles of distance education in rural communities. 34 nurses graduated from the 2004-2005 cycle. 135 nurses graduated from the 2006-2007 cycle. I'm particularly impressed with the way the program has really taken root in Alta Verapaz. That's due in no small part to the leadership of Dr. Moises Chen, the director of the Health Authority of Alta Verapaz. Dr. Chen is a remarkable mixture. On the one hand, he's Mayan, born in the town of Rabinal, just down the road in the department of Baja Verapaz. On the other hand, he's trained at top-flight medical schools in Guatemala and Mexico. Significantly, he's an epidemiologist, so he sees the big picture. It's inspiring to go out into the field with Dr. Chen and see him cover the gamut from traditional Mayan midwives to technology and big data. But CETA has not been entirely happy with the program. They're concerned not so much with results, but with process, administration, reporting, and in particular, the budget. A budgetary crisis had been reached in the previous summer. Program management responsibilities have changed in Newfoundland. Viola is no longer with the program, which is a serious blow for me. CETA now has everyone focused on writing the final reports and bringing the program to a graceful conclusion. There hadn't been enough money in the CETA budget for the third training cycle planned for 2008-2009. So Tula had stepped in with supplementary funding to allow that cycle to proceed. It's now in progress with about 350 students. So now I'm back in Coban, faced with a very big decision. Do I do the sensible thing and exit when CETA exits? Or do I ramp up and take full responsibility for the program? Do I fold or do I go all in? Of course I decide to go all in. That meant establishing a new corporate entity in Guatemala, which we did by founding Tula Salud. Tula Salud is a registered Guatemalan charity. It balances regional autonomy with a formal partnership with the Tula Foundation. Now that we're free to steer the ship ourselves, we could think about expanding our efforts beyond simply training more and more community nurses. Realize that during our brief time in Guatemala, we'd gone from landlines, dial-up modems, and technology from 1990s Newfoundland to cell service and the internet. The technical capability of our team in Coban had grown accordingly. We could now think about how technology could be used to support nurses and community health workers in the field, how telemedicine and other services could be adapted to the Guatemalan context. Fortunately, we now had Ray Brunsting on board to help steer the ship. Snapshot 3 is dated February 2015. I've flown down for an emergency meeting with the new Minister of Health in his office in Guatemala City. 
Since Tula Salud was established six years ago, the program has expanded and flourished. Several cycles of distance education have been completed, the last ending in 2014, bringing the total number of graduates to 1,333. Essentially, all of our graduates have been absorbed into the health system due to our close coordination with the Ministry of Health, which tracks regional needs across all northern departments in the country. We all agree that we've done enough in the way of nursing education for now. We're now 100% focused on using technology to support our nurses and other health workers in the rural health system. We've gone through another technological revolution in Guatemala. It's all about smartphones and apps now. Working closely with the public health system in Alta Verapaz, we've incubated several generations of technology. We have now branded our app with the name Kowok. Kowok sounds like something a raven on Calvert Island might say. It's one of the astrological signs from the Mayan calendar. Kowok is the turtle, which has positive connotations for health. Kowok is used by nurses and community health workers to support their work in the field and to keep them connected to the rest of the public health system. Certain topics have received special attention over the last few years. Maternal and infant health. The northern highlands of Guatemala have traditionally had among the very worst health indicators in the Americas. Maternal and infant health has been our main priority, in part because it is one of the Millennium Development Goals declared by the United Nations. Kowok has also been used in partnership with the Global Fund to track malaria, dengue fever, and other mosquito-borne diseases. The Health Authority of Alta Verapaz, under the continued leadership of Dr. Chen, has fully embraced Kowok. I've been called to Guatemala today because we are facing a serious crisis. The new Minister of Health wants to see uniformity across the country rather than a patchwork of different systems. Kowak in faraway Alta Verapaz is seen by him as an orphan system that should be replaced by a new national solution. Dr. Chen and his colleagues have demanded the meeting with the minister today to plead their case, to preserve their system in Alta Verapaz. The office is crowded with many interested parties. There's Andres Beltran from one of Guatemala's traditional ruling families, which has its own nonprofit foundation. There are people from Tigo, the national cell service provider. Christy, Isabel, and others from Tula Salud are here. Dr. Chen leads the charge. He gives a spirited testimonial for Kowok and its role in improving health indicators, particularly for maternal and infant mortality. Andres Botran, who was a close political ally of the minister, also speaks in support. The discussion goes back and forth for hours. Finally, the minister has heard enough. Bueno, he says. He then proposes the following solution. Dr. Chen can keep his system in Alta Verapaz, provided Tula Salud is willing to expand its coverage to several other departments in the north. After a series of discussions, including a late-night finale in the hotel bar after the minister returns from his social obligations, the deal is agreed. Early the next morning, I board the plane for Denver. When I land in Denver and turn on my phone, I'm greeted with a barrage of messages from Christie. They've met again with the minister that morning. The minister is now asking us to expand to even more departments, all departments across the north. In effect, Kowak is being proposed as the national system. For me, it's another one of those cases of go big or go home, and I do not want to go home. So I agree to the expansion with the following provisos. 
that we simplify co-op for the initial rollout, that we proceed incrementally, moving department by department, and that we spare no effort to get financial support from the Canadian government for the expansion. We had submitted a proposal to Global Affairs Canada, the successor to CETA, under their maternal and infant health program a few months earlier. Ray Brunsting and the technical team at Tula Salud immediately get down to work revising Kowak and planning the expansion. I later meet with our local Member of Parliament, John Duncan, who is then Chief Whip in the Stephen Harper government. Duncan agrees to give our proposal a push. On Canada Day 2015, we are relieved to hear that our project has been approved. We will receive $7.6 million over five years from Global Affairs to support the expansion. Snapshot 4 is dated today, December 2018. To see where we are today, read the brief status report from Stuart Davidson. We will be providing more comprehensive news from Tula Salud in the new year. (laughs) 